This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. everyone welcome back to a ready and refreshed rulerish podcast yeah we've had international break but we didn't want to come back for city that would be too predictable well, that's not our style is it Raj Baines? no 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 that's uh that's we'll leave the other people to that that's it leave leave it to the pros you know? we'll wait for the good result before we come back we're the the podcasting bourgeoisie so mm-hmm. you know so it's what you get from us you know we the moves anyway fucking shut up um it's going to be a pretty straightforward one today i think mate like it's a crucial part of the season everybody knows that this run is pretty horrific make or yep. break for you not really no but it's it's one of those in terms where... of winning the title should we say make or break in terms of winning the title i don't i mean it depends how it goes if we lose every game then obviously it's break but i think it's one of those where we don't have to win everything but as long as we're still in the conversation by Christmas, then it's uh, that's gone absolutely fine. Yeah, I mean, yeah. my sort of my prediction ahead of this was we'd beat City, and I'm, this isn't me revising history. I've got the messages. I'll I'll share the screenshots. Beat City, definitely lose to Chelsea, draw against Arsenal, beat Liverpool. But now, Ooh. yeah, I know. But I think I'm going to swap around the. Uh, I think we'll beat Arsenal and draw against Liverpool. I think we'll. Yeah, I'd probably go along with that. Chelsea's the one that we're most likely to lose out of them, and Liverpool probably. They're the two I'd be most worried about. I'm, I can't see us losing against Arsenal that shit. The famous last words, touch wood, but yeah, we should beat them. I mean, they really are appalling. We'll, we'll, <laughs> I mean, let's let's sort of just touch on City first. I mean, I've heard all manner of sort of bullshit things. Yeah, obviously, people seem to react to nobody calling that a Mourinho masterclass. Everybody sort of joked, like, people are going to call that a Mourinho masterclass. But it wasn't. It was Sean Dyche football. It was this. It was, you know, and we've kind of, we've spoken about this type of thing before in that, I, I've never been particularly sold on Mourinho. I've been critical of him in the past, but I've tried to judge his tenure based on what I've seen play out in his entire time here. There have been dips for me where I've not been particularly fond of it, but for the most part, even last season, when people were saying Tottenham are parking the bus, they're boring, you know, there's no plan to this other than anti-football and hitting teams on the counter-attack. I think if you apply that, which I have seen people do, like and respected people, by certain people anyway, 
saying that that performance against Manchester City was just an exercise in parking the bus and hitting them on the counter-attack, you didn't watch that game. Yeah. I think it's um it's one of those things where his reputation seems to precede him and I I tried to make this point in a in a tweet I did about Man United because that seemed to be the one that really ruined his standing the most and that's because they they obviously attract so much attention um as an institution that the coverage of them and, and everything was so huge and especially post Moyes and Van Hal it was sort of you know this great institution falling to its knees but if you kind of look at that now, not even in hindsight with 2020 vision, but just look at it objectively, he did such a better job given the state they're in, you know, as a as a business compared to what Solskjaer is doing now or what Van Gaal or, or Moyes managed. It's remarkable that he won them trophies under stupid, you know, extenuating circumstances with, with terrible leadership above him in the club. And, you know, even his league finishers weren't that bad. I think he finished second one season with that team. And if, can you imagine Man United finishing second now? It's just, it's not going to happen. So it's it's one of those where I think we went too far with him because he is such a a big personality and because he wears his heart on his sleeve so much and because he he is a bit of a cock as well and, and, and rightfully so given what he's achieved. He... um. He kind of made a rod for his own back with, you know, if, I've said it before about this season with him as well. He talks the talk. He's got to he's got to back it up. He, he doesn't leave himself much rope not to have hung himself with. And I think everybody was kind of waiting for that opportunity to knock him down a peg or two. And perhaps we just threw the baby out with the bathwater and saying that he was finished when maybe there were other factors at play. So I, And, you know, more concentrating on this game, which I think is just a product of that. It wasn't. It wasn't a, a fluky win. That was a. That was a measured performance from a team who knew how to stop the other team, knew what they could do best, and did it to them. Man City weren't in control of that game. They were allowed what they were allowed, and they were they were led into traps, and they 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 fell for it, and we countered, and we we won how we wanted to. There was not a second of that game where Tottenham weren't in complete control of every kick and every pass. And that's the mistake because people look at the numbers because they'll have a look at XG or possession stats and they'll go, oh, cities were so-and-so higher than Tottenham's. Um, the possession was so-and-so higher, all that sort of shit. They had this many key passes, this much, you know, this territory. They don't take into account that all of that will have been planned for and wanted and it wasn't simply 11 men behind the ball either because it we wouldn't have scored the goals we did if it hadn't hadn't we have and we we could have scored more than that so it's um you know it's it's slightly frustrating and you can see why um fan bases and clubs kind of get um get get painted as if they're sort of Mourinho fanatics when he joins the club but it it kind of you kind of do have to defend it because you're not you're not as reductive or as as, as sort of um, reactive as as it's made out to be, and it's and people who are who are painting it as that really aren't doing their jobs as well as they should be doing. Even just on a base level, it felt yeah because you touch on the amount of shots that Manchester City had there, but when I was actually watching the game, 
a lot of those shots were just born of frustration on their part. They were kind of like, and obviously those shots are going to count, but it's in the same way that Tom Carroll's assist for Gareth Bale's goal against West Ham all those years ago counted, you know? It, it, It seemed like a bit of a false economy. But yeah, like you say, it just... What stood out for me most is that I think for one of the few times in my life, other than the 16-17 season, shall we say, I actually sat up and watched Tottenham really thinking like, Christ, we've got a real handle on this. We really know what we're doing here. And I'm not actually that nervous. Like City are, like you say, we just had them exactly where we wanted them and yeah. it's it's unbelievable but as you were saying there on Mourinho as well we have noticed that obviously yeah the Manchester United fallout is well documented although he had you know a a great success at Real Madrid it didn't particularly end very nicely there in the whole kind of... It rarely does for anyone there. What, yeah, exactly. And it, his second reign at Chelsea wasn't particularly great. But when we think about... He's still won a mud league title. Yeah, but, you, you know, in terms of just... The, the, there was still a circus around it, shall we say. Mm-hmm. But if we look at, say, his first spell at Chelsea, Porto, obviously, and Inter Milan, do you think we are in the perfect place to perhaps get the best out of Mourinho, that he he maybe operates best in that club that is big, but isn't that isn't the huge club that doesn't carry with it the the expectation of we are Real Madrid, we are Manchester United, this is how we do things. That perhaps at clubs like you know Chelsea, who before hadn't won a Premier League, and Inter Milan, who were, you know, Italian football was in the doldrums, relatively speaking, at that point. Now at Tottenham, who are... I don't think Inter Milan had won a Champions League. Uh, I'm not sure on that I'm one. I'm fairly sure they hadn't. Perhaps not, but regardless, you know, I mean, they were still they were still a big... They had pedigree as a, as a European side. Yeah, but they but weren't Juve. No. Um, do you think that... There's something about him where perhaps that he's almost, dare I say it, bigger than the club, or at least the club respects him enough and reveres him enough to listen to him that we are going to get the best out of him. And this idea that he's a spent force and whatever is based on this idea that, yeah, okay, it didn't work out for him at Man United. But as you say, actually, who the fuck has it worked out for at Man United? And... are, are we on the verge of something special, do you think? I'll tackle that in two. I'll take the first point first cool. and I'll do the second point after. So whether or not he's right for us, I think we think that's what we hoped would be the case when he was announced. If we go back and listen to that podcast when he, when he joined, I think our hope was that we were getting somebody who had something to prove, had a bit of a chip on his shoulder. And he's a parade pisser. That's that's his, his, you know, his life's work is pissing on people's parades. And there's no bigger parade to piss on them winning the Premier League as a, as a Tottenham manager because we are you know as far as big clubs in the Premier League go where the, the punchline nine times out of ten I think Arsenal are battling us for it now and Man United a little bit too but most of the time it's us that, that sort of get picked on and, and sort of you know where the easy line and stuff and, and to be honest we've given people enough material for that to be the cannon fodder um, and I think he, he does enjoy taking a, a, 
an underdog in 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 uh, inverted commas and kind of overachieving with him and and I think that is a good position for him to be in and I think where we were as a club and where he was as a manager at the point in which our paths crossed was the perfect time for both of those um, and I think that's starting to be borne out in the way we're playing and I think the the team themselves are actually starting to believe in that and look at it a bit as well I think there's even you know, if I'm not want to dwell on this time at Man United too often, but if you look at the the turnaround of Tangy and Debele compared to Paul Pogba, they clearly his methods clearly do work in some sense, and and you know the way Andon Bella's playing this year, he's apart from Kane, he's well, probably our best player, and Son, the, those the three of them, um, it's hard to separate. They're all obviously playing at such a high level. That without them, they're the, probably the first three names on the the team sheet, um, and then um, you, being bigger than the club, I think is, uh, I think it's the the perception that he wants to give because I don't think he internally would carry himself like that, but I think he does outwardly, so that um, people can deflect attention away from his players and things and I think he does that on purpose and I think that's why he does occasionally throw some players under the bus to to kind of protect others but he had that the other week where he was sticking up for was it Harry Kane he was sticking up for and and you know he, he will stand in the way of, of stuff um and I do think there's there's some acknowledgement from him as well that he hasn't been at a club at our size for some time and you know his stature within the game is a lot higher than the stature of most other people at Spurs. You know we we were talking about this other game. He's got you know game endorsements and the reason his Instagram is the way it is is because his sponsors want him to have it. And the fact that he you know he's a Adidas sponsored football manager and it's not as if he's Zidane or anything. He's not had an amazing career before and he's not David Beckham. He's literally just a only known in a management and a coaching entity. That's remarkable. It just it just kind of goes to show how famous and how in such high stead he was held. There was that um that thing last night that he was saying uh, after the game where somebody had asked him about Maradona as well, and the fact that somebody like Diego Maradona would call him after games and they had like this friendship and you know ongoing telephone relationship and stuff is is madness because it's not like he's Pochettino or anyone who actually played with him or roomed with him or anything this is just a bloke who's known purely on the back of what he's achieved as a manager you know before he was a manager he was fucking Bobby Robson's interpreter and stuff so he's come from very low standing to to be as highly regarded as he is so there's as much as you 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 kind of you take that with a pinch of salt when the fucking Paddy Power adverts and that come on there's, there's something to be said for it and it's, it's not happened by accident so I do think we we're in a good position. I think this kind of this is a legacy defining and underlining job for him, because if he was to come in at Spurs, not improve us, not win us anything, and do shit, then he will have that will have backed up the rhetoric from the Man United job, and he will have been written off. If he takes us and re-establishes us as a top four side, as a title contender. Fingers crossed and touch wood as a title winner, or if he wins the Europa League or the FA Cup and and something that thing that people just hold, hold against us and hold against Pochettino still and, and everything that we haven't won anything. If he gets rid of that, then then his reputation's re-established and he, he's as good as gold. So it's I think he's he's in the ideal position and we're in the ideal position and and uh, and hopefully that becomes a 
a mutually beneficial relationship going forward. He seems to be, uh, he seems to be kind of, you know, you don't know how much of it is just for for show, if you like, and how much of it is him being genuine. But it it, it does seem to be that he takes every opportunity to continually praise the work of Pochettino and acknowledge the fact that he is working upon a platform built by Pochettino. You know, I think maybe my vision of Mourinho of old might have seen him be a bit more prickly about the old guy, the old guy that everyone still goes on about, the guy that still gets invited and invited to the training ground and treated like a king, you know, when he came into Spurs a few months ago to see his son sign his new contract and everything like that. But there doesn't seem to be any element or shade of of bitterness there. And it doesn't seem to be that there's any from Pochettino toward him either. Um, I think they just genuinely might be mates. Yeah, they could well be. Um, because, you know, it does kind of lead to these conspiracies of, you know, oh, he's only doing that because he knows that Pochettino is popular with Tottenham fans and, oh, he's only given Ledley King a job because he's popular with Tottenham fans. But it seems as though, like, especially in Ledley's case, that Ledley is very much an active part of the coaching staff. You Look know, at how it's... good our defence has been before and after uh, Ledley came in. It's not. Uh, a, I don't uh, think that's a coincidence. Exactly. I was. I was interested in your thoughts on that because I did. I, I reached out. I got absolutely pied off, but I did uh, <laughs> ask Spurs Statman to do a little uh, thing on uh, our defensive record pre and post Ledley. Um, but it just. It, it, surely there's a, there's got to be an impact there. Ledley King was always a defender that obviously had incredible physical attributes when his body was working, but more so his mind and his spirit, I guess, is what made his him understanding and reading of the game was second to none. It's unbelievable. He never, apart from that one famous last ditch tackle, he wasn't a defender. It, and half the reason he wasn't rated as widely as he should have been is because he wasn't one of those. Defenders who made last ditch tackles like a John Terry would, because he'd already sorted it out before it got to that point, and that's because he knew where the player was going and he'd seen it coming. So, uh, to and, and that doesn't always translate into good coaching or good management, and we don't know if he's going to be a good manager. He's, he's clearly, you know, Touchwood again, a decent enough coach. Or Mourinho wouldn't waste his time with him. He's not a lip service type of bloke. No, he, and he wouldn't. I don't think he would have somebody on his coaching staff just to try and curry favour with fans. I think I think that's you know I think he'd probably rather piss people off by fucking you know hiring somebody. I tell you what, he's a type of man that if he thought that Sol Campbell would do him a job on his coaching staff, wouldn't think twice about hiring him for Spurs. And that that's just a he's obviously not gonna do that. And fuck no, fucking better doesn't. not. <laughs> but. Um, you know, somebody might have a word with him if he ever tried it, but he's, you know what I'm trying to say. I'm just yeah, trying to yeah. make the point that he's not—he's not doing it. He's doing it because he wants to win, not because he, he thinks it's going to get him any fucking fans. Have you been impressed with Eric Dyer's kind of, you know, emergence as a pretty decent defender? You know what? I, I, 
I've kept wanting to do a tweet about Eric Dyer, but I don't because last time I did that and Eric Dyer's having a really good game, he gave away a penalty. <laughs> and then the same thing happened at the weekend when I said, I don't want to jinx Toby Alderweireldier, but he's been really good and then he's fucking been crocked. So I seem to have a bit of a curse as, as to praising people. So, I just, But he has quietly gone about it and I think that's what we want to do. We don't want to be focused on him. We just want to quietly have him go about it. And I think one of the things... Um, that noticed and and uh, I think this feeds into all the world as well who's for probably a month or two been absolutely fantastic and probably back at his best is his first time in ages we've actually had a settled back two because you know last season when Mourinho was still working out his best team we'd piss around with who was playing at the back and mm. how many were playing at the back and I don't think for defenders especially that puts them in any good position if they don't know who they're playing with and they don't have the confidence of who's in the unit with them or what their job is then it kind of sets them off whereas when Toby's comfortable and he knows what he's doing and he sort of doesn't have to think about it he's unreal and he has been so it's a shame that he'll be missing hopefully it's only the two weeks rather than a month but um but we'll see but yeah Dyer's been he's been much better obviously I think we we can do better at the back and we Perhaps in January, if we're still in the conversation for a title, it might be something we have a look at doing. As long as we can bring in somebody who's, you know, going to improve the first eleven, then I think we should do. Yeah, I mean, there is that unfortunate thing, isn't it? Follows die where you still kind of like you're waiting almost for him to make an error, and maybe that's the the thing that will dissipate if he keeps up this kind of performance level consistently um we know that yeah, toby I, he is he is i don't disagree with you in terms of toby's level at the moment but he is probably still on borrowed time you know he is just at an age now where it's you know he's he's not going to go on forever and i'm i mean i know we sort of differ in opinion on this but i just i think the dav sanchez project is a hide into nothing now i <laughs> i just sort of i I don't think he's going to be of a level, really, to be honest, that I'd ever rely upon. Joe Roden, who remains to be seen, but there has been some paper talk, shall we say? But it seems to be a bit—it seems to be a bit stronger than just paper talk that we might actually be in for Koulibaly in January, which would be a statement and a half, right? Were we to get that over the line, more so than say someone like a Skriniar or something like that, however it's pronounced. Yeah, yeah. I think, um, yeah, I'd not actually seen that, but yeah, that would be a, a statement. It's one of those where I don't, I don't know how much money Napoli are going to want, and and that if we're going to pay it or anything. But that's, um, I imagine if if he was to come in, then somebody's going the other way, or or we're getting some money in somewhere from somebody's sale. So. Um, it's an interesting one because our finances are something worth digging into, and somebody who's better at better at maths and money than me should should really have a look into this because we're posting some massive losses because of Corona and because of of you know how little the stadium's been used and everything, and um, we're still backing it up with some a lot higher business than we ever have done in the transfer window, and it's not something I'd really expected us to do. I didn't think we were ever gonna you know completely stop transfer activity under Mourinho because I think he would have just fucking packed his bags had we done that but um, yeah to actually to go for it would be uh, would be something so those people going on the skywalk mate that's what it is <laughs> keeping yeah. us keeping us coining it in but defence is an important point to mention now because it's going to be put to the test this weekend Chelsea is the fixture we're both less than hopeful of I mean for me 
the reason why I struggle with this one in particular is that it's I don't really buy into the whole Lampard's got the measure of Mourinho whatever stuff and I'm not as fully sold on the idea that there's something of a like who do team for us I just think it's quite purely that they generally have a pretty fast and high pressing attack that tends to get in behind us quite well and is more often than not fairly clinical and that's what I worry about again in in this instance it's going to require I mean it's going to require some pretty dogged performances especially from our wing backs I think you know I mean Aurea probably deserves I mean he's a player that I've dug out a lot in the past and he definitely deserves a lot of credit for that performance against Manchester City. Um, he's been fantastic this season. Yes. I think it's almost like um, do you remember the season where we'd bought Ben Davies and, and Danny Rose overnight became a decent left back because he, you know he was shit the season before, but he overnight became better because he actually had some competition and somebody pushing him in training. He kind of for the first time thought, oh fuck's sake, I'm not an automatic name on the team sheet. Maybe I need to knuckle down. Maybe the same things happened for Serge because last season we had to play him by default because what the only other option we had was Kyle Walker Peters and he just wasn't fancied. And even Pochettino didn't really fancy him that much. We only had to play him when literally we had nobody else there. And I think there were even occasions where he played like Son as wing back and stuff rather than play Walker Peters. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's one of those where I think he has kicked on and he, he certainly is a lot better than he, he had been, which is a pleasant surprise. I mean, what worries you about Chelsea in particular? You know what? Chelsea's a weird one for me. It's not, I don't think. Lampard is tactically brilliant or anything. I think he's actually quite poor, and I think he he does get found out on occasion. He, you know, the fact that they had that awful game against Man United is is as proof of that as anything. But essentially, what they are is their teams. Like if they give an eight year old the director of football job and got him to pick a team off FIFA, <laughs> they're just quick, and they're brilliant because of the individuals and the fact the individuals are able to just play football between themselves. I don't think there's an extra, you know, a grand plan that that um, Lampard's got or anything. I think he's somebody that Abramovich really likes and is really keen to do well because of who he is and it's really difficult for him to bin him off um, because of who he is at that club. And they've, they've bought a lot of players and they've spent a lot of money on them. I mean... Um, Ziyech is, is incredible and it's a shame that he's there because you can't really enjoy him or like him while he's there. He's, he's one of those where if he was like a, if he was at City or United or somebody that was a bit more palatable, then you'd kind of go, all oh, right, I actually, I'm going to watch matches there this evening because I want to see what he does. Um, but he's just a, a, a fun footballer. Werner's a bit weird because even like in that game they had in midweek, he seems to miss so many chances. Yeah. It, it doesn't seem... I had this impression of him while I was at Leipzig, and especially after we'd played him, that, you know, you know, more times than not, more often than not, he's going to be finishing and he's he's going to be quite a dead-eyed finisher, but he, he seems to need four or five opportunities before he actually finishes. And, and obviously his physical attributes, his speed especially, and uh, what gets him in the uh, the positions to score, but he's not as if he's um, an unerring finisher when he gets in those positions. He, he reminds me a bit of a younger son, really. Kind of, yeah. Kind of, yeah. I'd go, I'd go along with that. I'd probably, uh, probably a bit, um, probably a bit more cocksure than Son ever was, because um, I think a lot of Son's early thing was he just didn't believe in himself enough. Um, but yeah, I'd go along with that. 
uh, especially coming out of the same league and stuff. And um, who else have they got up there? But there's a couple up there that I, I don't think are, are playing above themselves. Mason Mount, I don't think is any, you know, especially good. And Tammy Abraham's okay. He's obviously scores the odd goal and stuff, but that's mainly because everyone else around him is brilliant. Um, so it's, Kai Havertz, lads pretty tidy he is he's not going to play though he's injured at the minute oh is he that's good news I believe he's out I may be wrong um, but yeah Havertz is good yeah but again he's young so he's, he's not going to be starting he's not going to be like amazing straight away so it's it's just um, they're weird they're, I don't know what to make of them because I think if anybody else was managing them I'd have them favourites for the title if Mourinho was in charge of that Chelsea team, I'd have mm. them favourites. If Pep was in charge of that Chelsea team, I'd have them favourites. If Klopp was, um, but there's just something about Lampard that I don't, I don't fully believe in or trust. And you know, he, he did beat us twice in the league last season, so there is that. And uh, but we've had him in the cup this year, and you know, we've actually got a team now that Mourinho can trust and have play the football they want to. And you know, if it, these are the type of games that that Mourinho lives for. This is a top-of-the-table game against his twice-former employer um, where he can properly put dirt in their eye and, like I said before, piss on the parade. And, you know, with a club that traditionally do not win at that ground, it would be... You can just picture him skipping down the touchline at this one. This would be the... If he was ever going to have a Mourinho knee slide... As a Spurs manager, this would be the the place he'd do it. So it's um it's one of those where I I'd, I hope it's a performance like at Old Trafford where we just uh where we have a, a dodgy team um managed by a, a questionable manager and um and we we kind of expose some of their um some of their weaknesses. The other thing to mention about Chelsea is that they've had a, an exceptionally easy running. I know people have said that about us, but theirs has been a fucking joke. It's funny in in terms of personnel, like you you're touching on there. Like, there's not a lot between the two teams, though, between Spurs and Chelsea. Like, and we seem to have we seem to both be strong and weak in pretty much the same places. Um, so, arguably, you know, you are sort of looking at this, thinking it is going to come down to to management. And as you rightly call out there, like, you don't really know what Lampard is at the moment, other than a bloke that's got a really good team I think he probably deserves some credit for the way in which he galvanized them when he first came in and he almost sort of I I, I actually loathe to put him in a similar bracket to Pochettino but just in the way that he kind of managed to sort the wheat from the chaff of his established first team and then bring through a load of promising youngsters which he seems to have subsequently fucked off now he's gotten some money again but still, like I, th- I think he deserves a sort of a, a, a level of credit for that. But like you say, that you, you don't see a lot from Chelsea really to know what they do and how good or not they are, other than, as you say, the fact that they've got loads of really good players that, surprise, surprise, can turn it on every now and again when they need it. There's almost like, I, I don't really want to just sort of like reduce it to like, He's an English manager, so he's a bit like Redknapp. But it, it sort of has an air of like a Redknapp Spurs thing about it, where he's just kind of telling great players to have a bit of freedom and and express themselves, and they're 
sort of that is his that uncle, building, isn't it? Right? Yeah, yeah, they are. Yeah. So it if is. he's going to be asking anyone for management tips, it's going to be uh, ah, Uncle Larry. Ah, just take him a fatty run around a bit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so but, yeah, that's not a crazy uh, parallel to draw. No, I mean, in terms of like the, the midfield, like I'm, you know, one of the things we've sort of spoken about in Dombele, and I know people have said that they really, really want to see the. Hoybier, Lachelso, and Dombele midfield three. But you know what, mate? Low key, I I actually quite like rotating between Ndombele and Lachelso. I'm not I'm not overly convinced now that I actually want to see all three of them in the midfield. We um, texted about this the other day, and I agree with you. In this type of game, in a Man City and a Chelsea game, we probably could do with Moussa Soko there to be the sacrificial lamb that does all the doggies and and is there to to put in the yard yards and and everything and and sort of help out Hoybier and and run the ball and be an outlet and stuff. But when we're playing the dog shit, when we've got West Brom and we've got fucking Sheffield United or something like that. Then I don't see any problem with it. I'd I'd chuck on Undumbele and Lacelso, and I'd let Hoiber hold midfield on his own. And I, that's when I think we we should be, if we're serious about this title, we should be looking to put three or four past teams like that and and yeah. blast them off the pitch. And I think that's going to happen if we've because neither of those two are shy about putting a foot in. It's not as if we're playing uh, two attacking midfielders um, or anything like that. It's literally just it's two more attacking ball playing centre centre midfielders rather than. Um, an extra holder and I think I can't see it not working um, especially against shit teams even like um, teams like Everton and stuff I'd do it against because they're they're okay in the midfield but we can overwhelm that defence with with that many with with those good players but like I say it's um, Mourinho is going to err towards the side of not caution but control and we we have more control with Sissoko in there, and um, that's going to happen in the big games. It's, he's not going to go into a, a major game um, with his with his balls too far out because it's you know that's how you get caught. And he would rather have that extra bit of control rather than that extra bit of freedom. And, and I kind of agree with that because we have been the team that like we've talked about previously, and it, you know as romantic and as it was, and and you know when it paid off it like against Ajax and stuff it's great but when you are the the heart overhead balls out team all the time it, it doesn't always um doesn't always end in uh hey there it's Michelle Norris I'm host of a podcast called your mama's kitchen when I travel I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home and one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain and Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. 
ending the result you want it to. We have to sort of pass the the year mark with Mourinho now. It does seem as though the players are ultimately they've really bought into what he's doing, right? Like you can you're starting to now feel that this isn't just a sort of a vanity project or a kind of right you know, you know I think I'd sort of said in past that like he was a bit of a palate cleanser that Mourinho was just kind of coming in steady the ship maybe get us an FA Cup and then after that after the dust settled from Pochettino a bit we'll bring in a Nagelsmann or something like that and start our new cycle but I think it's it's surprised even me to see that maybe this is our new cycle that this like for real though that it's it is a proper thing and what convinces me of that the most is seeing the kind of buy-in to him from a lot of players like seeing people who i i I dare say were probably quite skeptical of him like we saw that in the amazon documentary i know they probably amped up and used certain shots for achieving their own kind of dramatic effect here and there. Mm-hmm. But it did seem to be that there was a bit of a like, fucking hell, Mourinho's coming in kind of vibe from the players. And, you know, they probably were unsure as to how to how to receive that type of thing. But it very much seems now that he's the gaffer, if you like. And a lot of the players like, the senior players, at least Kane, Alderweireld, Son now, who is definitely one of our senior players, are all really Hugo. bought into what he's doing. Yeah, Hugo. Sissoko as well. Sissoko, another player who I've been very, very critical of in the past, who I think just looks like a man reborn under, under Pochettino. Under Pochettino, fucking hell. Just Freudian slip, but under under Mourinho. Well, to be fair, he, was, he, he did have one rebirth under Pochettino. It's now his second. Yeah, because um, we've written him off a couple of times, and he's managed to come back from that. It just um, there's that bit in the documentary, isn't there, where like uh, is it Sacramento comes into the the uh, the office and he's like, uh, Sissoko's a really big say in the uh, in the dressing room, you know, and and I think Mourinho's like, really fucking hell, yeah, because um, I think they both probably assumed he was a bit of a donkey as well um, from the outside looking in, but. And that probably has some say in in how big of a role he plays in the team because they they do believe in in that sort of harmony and team spirit. And if somebody has that much sway and say over players, you know, especially like Aurier and Nondembele, who Sissoko is kind of the rung leader of the you know the French speaking uh, lads. Um, if um, if Sissoko, if we fucked him off and we sold him or we just didn't play him and stuff and he was unhappy, it's unlikely that those two are putting in the shifts in this season that they are. So there's there's some alchemy behind that that thinking. Um, and I think um, Keynes, in, in interviews, he's the most interesting one for me because he has barely stopped short and, and very, very kind of like, um, I don't know what the word is, maybe conservatively kind of, Try to stop short of saying that he's better and almost prefers the way he's been. Yeah, he's been very and, diplomatic about it, hasn't he? Yeah, because he's he's trying not to slag off Poch or say anything yeah. too bad because he knows the headlines that'll come. But he's he's as supportive and as sort of um, 
complementary of what Mourinho's doing and the mentality he's trying to instill and everything in that team as anyone has been. And it kind of, we've seen his sort of single-mindedness and his sort of Billy Big Bollocks kind of, um, the way he holds himself and has every fucking right to hold himself. And I kind of think that Mourinho is feeding into that a little bit and he's kind of enjoying that a bit more. And it's... um, Seems to be bringing out a not a nastier side, but a more determined and uh, and sort of uh, and you know chest puffed up side of of Kane that, that we hadn't seen previously. That was perhaps a little bit more dampened under Pochettino because that was more about everyone as a collective rather than you know you're a big man in this team, you're a big man in this team. Pull your fucking socks up, lead by example. Um, and I think. Um, I think that's good, been good for a couple of them. I think this is probably, other than when he first came into the team and took over from Friedel, this is probably the best Larice has been for us. Yeah. Because uh, there was Definitely. a couple of years where where he was not shit, but he was touch and go as to whether we were we were having a conversation as to whether, oh, do, should we be exploring getting somebody in who can take over from him in a year or two? Whereas now he looks like one of those keepers that'll play for another three, four, five years at this level and won't raise an eyelid at him and every inch the captain. He he really is. I mean it's he is one of the like most low key astonishing turnarounds I think under you know, whether it's Mourinho or whether it's, you know, that arm injury was I I would imagine probably a real personal crossroads for him in terms of And the drink come, driving. Yeah. I can come back from this stronger or I can just you know, fade into fade into the night, as it were. Now, from this point, and he's obviously, as we know of, or at least suspected in the past of what Hugo's personality is like. It, it, he's obviously chosen the the option that's seen him putting in this type of performances that we are seeing now. I mean, even even stuff like his kicking's improved, you know, mm-hmm. which is all credit to him. But he's 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 unbelievable, and I think. Just one of the things that is particularly just exciting about about this whole thing is that, as you touched on there, with with somebody like Kane, as much as he obviously has that want for success, that want and that kind of desire to break goal scoring records to have his name remembered not just as, oh, he only does tap-ins, what has he won, though? I do think we're lucky in the respect that... I know he loves Tottenham and all this type of stuff, but I think there's almost like there is that yearning in him. If you look at his idols, you look at these kind of mercurial figures in the past, Jordan, Maradona, God rest Tom his Brady's soul. Tom Brady's the big one for him. Yeah, exactly, Tom Brady... With Kane, I think we really have that guy that is like, yeah, I can go to City and I can win two, three league titles, but I won a league with Tottenham when everybody said they were shit and everybody said that I was shit. Fuck all of you, you know? And I really think now he's like, we've got Mourinho in here. Let's fucking have this. And I think one of the... One of the big differences here, and it was laughed at and it was derided as kind of proper football manism, all this type of shit. But one of the key differences for me is that when you actually look at, say, a Tottenham team of old, where even our 16-17 team that was, you know, it was it was 
beautiful. It was glorious. It was everything that was Tottenham. It was the echo of glory, all that type of thing. And I'm never, ever going to revise that. I'm not going to take anything away from that. But one of the key differences that I would look at here now, in terms of the, the personalities, and it, it has been made fun of, the intelligent cunts, the nice guys don't win, whatever. But when you just see some of these extra personalities that we have about the place, look at someone like Sergio Reguilion, however it's pronounced again. <laughs> he uh, he is just a nasty little bastard. Like, he's so focused on winning. You can see his Hoybier just, he's just there. He's shouting at everybody. Joe Hart, you know, it's, it's a guy who, everybody had a meltdown about us signing him and was just kind of derided this idea that, personalities don't win points and all this type of stuff. Yeah. It's just it's nonsense. A guy like you can see even just from these banter training videos that they put out, playing fucking cricket yesterday. Mm. Joe Hart's competitive. Joe Hart's a winner, you know? Personalities yeah. like that in these kind of clutch times of seasons hopefully will be something that will make a, a real fucking difference for Spurs. And you know, I, do, I just I don't think it's any coincidence that once again we are seeing Harry Kane just transcend even the level that we thought he was capable of. I mean, I, yeah. I, I, I didn't put this out just to get some fucking numbers on Twitter. I, I honestly truly believe right now he is the best player in the world. I just I don't see anybody performing in a way that he is just as a as a figurehead carrying he's not carrying the team to be fair but just being such a talisman and he was taking the piss out of the man city defenders at the weekend like and Absolutely. gary neville had to stop himself from saying those exact words he was literally toying with them it's i don't know i i tell you one thing that underlines your point about the mentality shift is um is last night actually because we're tuning up at half time against some farmers and they were truly fucking appalling. They were genuinely, I reckon I could get some minutes for them if I wanted to. And I'm shite at football. Um, and sort of 20 minutes into the second half, I'm thinking, um, let's take uh, let's take on Dembele off at half time. Let's put Harvey White on now. Let's 2 um, 0, game's done. We can probably nick a third at some point if we fancy, but sort of shut up shop now and, you know, take the points and be done with it. And Mourinho's fuming 20 minutes into the thing. Yeah. He's sort of. He's not happy. He's bringing on Hybia, and I'm thinking we've got Chelsea the weekend. What are you doing? Like, he don't need extra minutes in his legs. What happens if he picks up summer? But even though we're playing some fucking slugs from God knows where, <laughs> he wants to crush him, and everyone in that team wants to crush him. And he's only going to bring on the kids once we've crushed them. And the kids almost fucking all scored and, and joined in and stuff. And the 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 senior players were all loving it. But it's that. It's almost that momentum and that that constant reinforcement of that winning mentality that um, that he wants, and it, I think that you know that West Ham game was sort of a you know hopefully you know we don't lose the league by two points because that's where we fucking <laughs> track it back to. Um, but that's almost oh, those cunts will be making fucking t-shirts about it. If uh, they they're probably already are, man. The yeah. bastards. But um, the. Um, that was almost a nice little thing of us to not believe our own hype and not get, you know, 
not get too far up their own asses, which I, I personally believe they were a victim of in that game. I, th- I think they thought it was done and they switched off far too early. Um, and they won't be doing that again and they won't be allowed to do that again. And the fact that 2 0 up at home to, you know, that shite team, they were, they were not doing that is, is, is proof of that. So it's, um, yeah, it's kind of. It's kind of nice. It's a, it's an evolution of of the mentality that Pochettino brought us. Could you know, Pochettino got rid of eighty ninety percent of that sort of soft belly and, yeah. and, and and lack of backbone that we had. And uh, I think Mourinho's just reinforcing that and, and adding a bit of uh, a bit of cuntiness to use his word to the to that as well. And uh, and that's nice to see. I think what what strikes me the most about it is that if we do lose to Chelsea this weekend, which is, you know, it's it's a possibility. possibility. Yeah, that you know, they're a great side and we can't... Uh, there is this tendency in the way in which football is reported upon now in the, if we lose to Chelsea, Spurs have bottled it, Spurs have... You know, and taking away from the fact that this is a Chelsea side that has been assembled by over a billion pounds worth of investment over the past decade and a bit now... You know, it's it's not a case. It's not all on us. The other team are there to win it as well. And good teams beat other good teams. Exactly. But I just get the feeling that if we do lose this weekend, all hope is not lost. Like we 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 aren't just oh well, maybe we can bounce back. We can be plucky, and it's no right. We've lost. Fucking underline it. We win the next one. You know, and mm-hmm. look at the reaction to that Anderlecht game. Precisely. And, you know, the game after that is Arsenal, but I'm sure we'll talk about that nearer the time. But, yeah, yeah I mean, it's... Do you want me to... Um, can I run past you one theory? I know I sort of do this every podcast. I have one theory. We should almost make, make a jingle for it, Jack Radge's so, theory. Should I do it? Please. Um, <laughs> I was thinking about this last night when I was watching Delhi play because um, there's kind of a, a theme to the players that Mourinho dislikes or writes off or just completely fucks off. You know, De Bruyne and Salah at Chelsea and, you know, Pogba and Unambele and, and Dele. Um, and I think having tried to, this is only my pop psychology and, and complete guesswork, but this is me trying to, you know, try and think of a reason why is Mourinho's biggest regret in his life and the thing that will toy with him and annoy him till the day he dies most likely is the fact that he was a shit footballer he was a failed footballer and he was only ever known for his coaching and it's something he he, he brings up in, in countless times. It's something he's not, you know, um, secretive about is the fact that, he, you know, he didn't have the career that a, a Pochettino did or even a Ferguson did or, yeah. you know, Guardiola did. He hasn't got that to back it up. He's not a traditional football man and, you know, that's something in his early years that people held against him. Um, and I think when he manages players who are naturally talented, and not just naturally talented, but could be the best player in the team, could be generationally good, and he sees them not trying and putting that talent to waste, that pisses him off because he thinks to himself, what I wouldn't have given for an ounce of the talent you have to fulfil my dream, as much as he's done, I reckon now if you offered him trading everything you've ever achieved as a manager for career as a player he'd probably take it because that's the thing he'll have wanted and he, he never got the chance to do and he'll never get the chance to do. He lives vicariously through these 
you know, managerial appointments and through the players he manages. And, and that's how he gets his connection to the game, even though it's not, it's second best to what he wanted it to be. And it's not a bad second best at all. He's, you know, probably in the, the conversation for the greatest manager that's ever lived. Um, you know, he's in the top five, if not top three. Um, and um, I think that's what pisses him off. So if you play, sees a player like Deli Alley, and he's the one he identified when he first came in as, you know, who are you? Are you Deli Alley's brother? No. Then why the fuck are you not playing like Deli Alley kind of a thing? Um, that's what will piss him off. And and throughout that documentary as well, the amount of times he would single him out in those video sessions, and Deli would like half laugh, and it's like, no, Deli, you're not getting it. These are your warnings. These is him. This is his kind way of telling you pull your fucking socks up. You know, he needs to pull his finger out and, and needs to sort of give him the effort. And I think that's the thing that rankles with him most because you can imagine Ondombele when he's not settled last year and not giving it his all in training. But this year, he probably, because he's enjoying himself and he's enjoying the football playing, he probably is trying a bit harder now. And the same with, um, you know, the same way with Deli Ali when he's actually getting a chance and stuff. So I think that, that would be my theory is that they kind of piss him off because they have every tool, every God-given talent required to be unreal footballers and they're not making the most of it. And and even when we talk about players like Lloris and, and Alderweireld and, and Kane and Son, they're the type of players that are making the most of it. So he does back them and he does give them everything. And, and opposite to that, players like Hoybier or Dyer or, or what have you, or Sissoko, who are limited but make the most of every limitation they have, he will love to the ends of the earth because they they make up for what they lack in in, in effort and, and belief and passion. And uh yeah, that's my, my little theory for the week is uh is is Mourinho's failed football past is the reason why he uh he has a thing against these players. I think it's sound. Right and he I've, he has said something to that extent before, hasn't he, when he said that the, the reason why he's harder on these special players is that it's not just for them to drift in here and there do something fancy and then disappear again he's saying you rely on your best players to command games they should be there controlling the entire game and making it all about them I think it was something he leveled at Hazard before because Hazard's another player who he's had a bit of an undombele arc with in the past he disappeared for a season when um when he was there last time didn't he yeah you know, and it can happen. And I mean, the signs are encouraging. Del Boy last night, um, at the time of recording, against whoever it was we played, it's fantastic. It was superb. I'm I'm fully holding hope for the Delhi Alley redemption arc of him coming up and scoring a winner in an FA Cup final or a. Oh, can you imagine final. if we had an informed Delhi Alley for the second half of the season? I, I mean, there's every chance we're looking at that, and there's every chance that. That fits in with a, you know, title winning season. Well, it, it fits in as well with a. To me, anyway, I, I people say, oh, there's no real space for Deli Ali. I think Deli Ali can play perfectly alongside Hoybier and Ndombele. You know, is mm-hmm. like you say, perhaps you still have Sissoko in those kind of lesser performances, like lesser teams uh, in the bigger games. But when we are playing those lesser teams. Why not have Deli Ali and Ndombele linking up? Like, you and know. here's the thing: somebody's going to get injured at some point, and we're going to need backup. So, when it got, you know, touch wood, it doesn't happen. Lacelso appears to be made of fucking glass, by the way, which is mildly annoying. But he's you know, RG's when... eating too much red meat, mate. That's it, <laughs> right? 
Uh, yeah, because Lamella's shite as well with yeah. the injuries. But um, he needs to... If, if Andambella goes down or if Hoybier gets injured or anything like that, then Delhi's going to have to step up at some point. And he'll, I, I back him. He's, a, I still think he's a special player, but we'll see. But that seems like a good note to go on. It's going to be a very interesting game against Chelsea. We'll no doubt speak after that because the game after will be the other scum. But for now, yeah, stop listening. Come on, you Spurs. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.